We're back. And now for the super what am I bonus question worth $2,000. Here it is. I am colorless and initially odorless. But if I do not soon evaporate, bacteria makes me offend the olfactory senses. What am I? Jeffrey. I am pond scum. <laughs> Strangely appropriate, but not correct. <laughs> Catherine. I am lighter fluid. Sorry, Catherine, that's not correct. But you could still win if Bull fails to answer correctly before time runs out. Rest in peace to the legendary Richard Mull. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train. Episode 423, submission number 482, Grace Point. Grace Point aired on Fox from October 2nd to December 11th of 2014 for 10 episodes. That is, of course, six less than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, J.J. Starbuck, Uncle Croc's Block, the number of aired episodes of Salvage 1, schooled misfits of science and uh some other shows okay this is the fourth subject in an episode that comes from 2014 the other three are utopia back in episode 96 too many cooks back in episode 206 too many cooks too many cooks and to tie it in with the theme from this week back in 260 selfie would have covered selfie in this special month, but we already covered it on Marvel Months. But you know what? That's okay. If you haven't guessed by now, all this month, Greg, Mike, and myself, but mostly Greg and myself, are paying tribute to the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. We're going to be covering shows that feature loved Doctor Who actors, loved Doctor Who premises, Doctor Who in general, and, hey, how about just strangers and time travel in general? Where some people decide we're going to make our own Doctor Who with blackjack and hookers. If it's remotely related to Doctor Who, aliens, and time travel, you're going to hear about it this month. And we start here with this story that comes from one of the uh, greater writers of Doctor Who, and also featuring a familiar face or two from the franchise. In March of 2013, fresh off work from Doctor Who and successive spinoff Torchwood, Chris Chibnall wrote and produced an eight-episode series for ITV called Broadchurch. Tenth Doctor David Tennant and Olivia Coleman, a pre-The Crown Olivia Coleman, but post-number Wang Olivia Coleman. I was also going to say, Olivia Coleman was in a Doctor Who episode. She was in Matt Smith's first episode. The 11th Hour, yes. Anyway, David Tennant and Olivia Coleman headed a star-studded ensemble cast that included 13th Doctor Jodie Whittaker, Charlotte Beaumont, Jonathan Bailey, and Arthur Darvill, Rory, as residents of a small town coming to grips with the gruesome murder of 11-year-old Danny Latimer. After the killer was brought to justice at the end of season one, Arthur, you've been a bad boy! Several plot lines arose around the Latimer family in the sleepy coastal town that would form the crux of two more eight-episode seasons. Chibnall, 
who always saw the series as a trilogy, chose to end it on his own terms in 2017, despite the show having critical acclaim and positive feedback. But also because he was going to be executive producer of Doctor Who, probably. Chibnall described the project as a labor of love. He conceived Broadchurch in about 2003 while working on his first series, Born and Bred. The concept was to explore how a child's murder affects a small, close-knit local community and how the characters react to the media attention and mutual suspicion that arise. Production was done with the utmost of secrecy and security in mind. Chibnall was determined to ensure that the identity of the killer did not leak until the final episode aired. One reason for the secrecy was commercial. It encouraged viewers to keep watching. However, Chibnall also believed that it would enhance the acting as actors could not in any way telegraph or signal their innocence or guilt. It's one of those cases where nobody knows who did it until they are handed a script two hours beforehand and like, if you remember the episode of How I Met Your Mother where Marshall's dad died? Oh yeah. It was kind of like that. But back to Broadchurch. Aside from standard NDAs that everyone on the cast and crew signed, scripts were controlled and released only when Chibnall felt they were ready to preserve both the narrative and the mystery. He admitted to taking more than a few notes from shows like Murder One and Greg Prepare to Lose It. Twin Peaks. Well, as we all know, other than Wings, Twin Peaks is my favorite. I'm going to wait for you to finish because I know you got a lot to say about Twin Peaks here. Oh, Twin Peaks, just a magnificent show. It's like David Lynch at his most David Lynchian ever. And also, Kyle McLaughlin, come on. All three seasons were met with critical acclaim, with season three arguably the best of the bunch. We're not going to talk about the uh, plotline behind season three because gets very much triggering. But we're not here to talk about that season. We're here to talk about the first and how it arrived in the U.S. garnered similar acclaim at the start despite lagging ratings on BBC America and prompted Fox to order an American version of the show. But if you think you know everything about the mystery, think again. The show was announced in August 2013 at the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour that Fox would develop an American version, retitled Grace Point. Chris Chibnall wrote the premiere episode and was the executive producer of the series, with primary writing duties handed off to Anya Epstein and Dan Futterman, who wrote all but two episodes. Production began January 14th in Canada for a spot on the fall season that year. James Strong, director of the majority of the original series, directed several episodes of Fox's adaptation. And David Tennant would return to the show as Emmett Carver, the detective in charge of the case, in a similar role to his Broadchurch equivalent, Alec Hardy. Sorry. I got a question. Uh Uh-huh. Is he, like, the American cousin of his British counterpart, or no? You know something? It wasn't brought up. You didn't hear David Tennant in his fake American say, you know, I have a cousin working in the UK on a similar case about this. Maybe I should give him a call. Hey, Alec. Hey, Alec, it's Emmett. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? No. I got a case I'm working on. Let me guess, 11-year-old washed up on the shore, dead. How'd you know? Are you sitting down, mate? I shouldn't even be talking about, you know, David Tennant's American accent because he is, first of all, a revered actor. A revered actor in the classical sense. He is our generation's Patrick Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, whether it's on Doctor Who, whether it's on Broadchurch, whether it's on DuckTales, whether it's on Jessica Jones, you know David Tennant is always going to give it his all. Asuka. Oh, that's right, because he reprised his role from the Clone Wars as the voice of that robot. Mm-hmm. 
Anna Gunn from Breaking Bad would take the Olivia Coleman role as Ellie Miller, and together they would investigate the murder of 11-year-old Danny Solano, presumably renamed from Latimer when Michael Pena joined the cast as his father Mark. And of course, you know, Michael Pena from Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man... Remember that Chips movie he was in with Dax Shepard? That was I thought terrible. that was Wilmer Valderrama, actually. No, that was Michael Pena. Ah. Hold on. He was in that horrible Fantasy Island movie from Blumhouse that I talked about, like, maybe last year. I think I mentioned I saw that, like, on TNT for, like, five, ten minutes, and I'm like, this is awful. He was Mr. Rourke in that. He was. And yes, it was absolutely terrible. Not even his first television role. You know what his first television role was? What was that? In an episode of Pacific Blue in 1996. Oh, that's terrific. So I guess he must have acted alongside Mario Lopez. He must that... have. Yeah. Or when did, did Mario Lopez start at Pacific Blue from the beginning or was that after? I think he was added to the cast after. Okay, so the USA probably was like, we need to generate hype for this show. So let's get Mario Lopez on this show. I believe that's how he was cast on that show. He was also cast on a similar show on USA, USA High, which we may or may not cover in a future episode. But yeah, Michael Pena played Mark Solano, the father of Danny Solano. His wife, Beth, was played by Virginia Cull, who was in Big Little Lies, Nosfora, a2. That's Nosferatu, isn't it? Nosferatu, yeah. You've never seen, like, the first... I've never seen that movie, you know. And also a Broadway actress. Oh. Mm -hmm. Jack Reinhold, kayak bike rental shop owner and wildlife recorder, was played by legendary actor and... Not a very good photo taker. Nick Nolte. Oh, yeah. Remember that horrible mugshot a couple of years ago? But let's be honest. He did help Mando with rebuilding IG-11. And really, that's what we should remember him for. Oh, he gave his life to protect Grogu, and we should all honor that. And also, he was in Blue Chips. And let me just say... I think this is the first time ever I get an excuse on this podcast to talk about blue chips with Nick Nolte and Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway. It's the role they were born to play. Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway as rival basketball players. This is before we learned that Shaquille O'Neal was a multifaceted individual, by the way. Oh, yeah. Just go back to the Shaq commercials episode. And you did not see that, but Chico was doing the little shack shimmy. Doing the shack shimmy? <laughs> shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Susan Wright was played by Jackie Weaver, who was a that Australian woman from that thing. But she was in the short-lived series Blood Talk on Stars with Patrick Stewart. But also, as a recurring role... As Caroline Warner in Yellowstone. Oh, Yellowstone. My mom finally saw Yellowstone. She loves it. So I guess I got to give it a watch now. But also, one talk. Wasn't Seth MacFarlane involved in that? Yes, he was. It was basically a live-action send-up of cable television talking heads. So it's got to be on cable. Not just any cable. Cable you pay for and on stars, because as we all know, stars, that's quality. Oh, yeah. I mean, HBO, Showtime, that's nothing compared to stars. Playing Ellie Miller's husband, Joe, Josh Hamilton. And we should mention, well, go ahead, Greg, mention it. Well, since the Rangers are in the World Series, we have to mention this. It's not the baseball player. Not the baseball player. We're talking about the guy who was in 
season one of 13 Reasons Why, the 2021 season of The Walking Dead as Lance Hornsby, and two episodes of At Home with Amy Sedaris. Oh, that's a great show, At Home with Amy Sedaris, if you've ever watched that. Playing Paul Coates, the priest of the local church, presumably the uh, Arthur Darvall role from the original Broadchurch, is Kevin Rankin, who was on one of your shows, Greg, Friday Night Lights. Oh, that's right. He was on Friday Night Lights. I need to see who he played on Friday Night Lights. I can uh, have Herc. Oh, yeah, he was the uh, wheelchair guy from uh, Friday Night Lights. Yep, he was also in future entry Unforgettable, which was absolutely forgettable. And he was also Kenny in Breaking Bad and Derek Devil Lennox in Justified. Ooh, Justified. Well, talk about gritty drama. There you go. As Ellie's nephew, Owen Burke, a reporter for the Grace Point Journal. You know what that means. He was in Air Bud. That's right. He played Josh Bram, the owner of Buddy, in Air Bud. But also, let's not forget the one lesson we learned from that movie. There's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. Or any other sport, for that matter. That's right, because they made, like, a gazillion Air Bud sequels where he played all different sports. My favorite direct-to-video Air Bud sequel title is Air Bud, seventh-inning fetch. I was thinking you would say that. Unfortunately, they did not have Buddy playing hockey, so I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. I guarantee you that Don Cherry called him a jerk. Yeah, Don Cherry's a jerk. There, I said it. Well, he is unemployed now, so we can all feel better for that. When he's got his point to vlog, Don turns blue just like his dog. We miss you, Alex Trebek. As Renee Clemens, a reporter working for the San Francisco Globe, Jessica Lucas, who is known for roles in Edgemont, Melrose Place, and Gotham? Is she playing Gotham? Oh, let me look. She played Tabitha Gallivan. I have no idea who that is. Probably somebody that Bruce Wayne slash Batman does not talk about. But yeah, because this is coming out the day before Halloween. We also have to mention she was in Halloween 2, Calabar's Revenge as, and this is her role, Vampire Girl. But yeah, she was also in the reboot of 90210 and the reboot of Melrose Place as, interestingly enough, two different people. Now, when you say the reboot of 90210, do you mean the CW reboot or the Fox reboot? I mean the CW reboot from 2008. Good. Let me just say, the best CW reboot is the Dynasty reboot. And you know why? Why? Liz Gillies. Oh yeah, Liz Gillies crushes everything she's in. She's actually releasing a Christmas LP with Seth MacFarlane. She is an incredible singer. Oh yes, if you've ever listened to her on Victorious. Yeah. In the role of Vince Novick, Mark Solano's plumbing apprentice and best friend is Stephen Lewis Grush. And IMDb has him best known for four episodes of something called Night Sky. Okay. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so whatever. Yeah, but he was in two episodes of Chicago PD as two different characters and two episodes of NCIS New Orleans as one single character. And was also in... Future entry, Lucky 7. If I'm not mistaken, that was the show with the lottery. Yep, that was the show with the lottery. Seven gas stations, Queens, New York, lottery ticket, winners, everything changes. This was done much better on ABC in 1983. As lottery, 
or even better, done much better, and even more done better in 1979 with sweepstakes. Which we discovered who was on that show, Chico, that we discovered was on sweepstakes. She was on one episode. But it bears mentioning. Diana Moldar was on an episode of Sweepstakes. Yeah. I wonder, did she go down an elevator shaft? I have to ask, what was Ed Kookie Burns thinking when he found out that Diana Moldar was going to be on an episode of Sweepstakes? I really didn't want to talk about it. Not a Pulaski episode. Just as a heads up, if somebody has the episodes of Sweepstakes and puts them online, we may or may not get to it. We're just waiting for the episodes. Come on. You found Mr. Smith. You found the Sailor Moon pilot. Get on this, YouTube. (sighs) In the role of Chloe Solano, who is the sister of Danny Solano... Madeline Horcher, who was Sergeant Leach in Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. And Crystal Palace in one episode of Doom Patrol. Wait, Crystal Palace? Did she play the Crystal Palace football team on Doom Patrol? No, she played a single person named Crystal Palace. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. She also played Paige on 12 episodes of another Twin Peaks show, Big Sky. In the role of Gemma Fisher, the owner of the Crestview Inn, Sarah Jane Potts, who was in Casualty and Waterloo Road in her native UK. As the son of Ellie Miller and classmate of Danny Solano, Tom Miller, we have Jack Irvine, Jack Irvine, doesn't have much of a resume, but, you know, he's still young. Give him time. Some notable things he's been in was iZombie as Dirt Mustache, only the third greatest thing that Rose McIver's ever been in. Oh, Ghosts and Power Rangers. Correct. And rounding out the cast, the regular cast, as Dean Iverson, boyfriend of Chloe Solano, Kendrick Sampson, who was in, among other things, The Vampire Diaries, How to Get Away with Murder, The Flash, and Insecure. Now we also have some recurring characters. Allison Down plays Kathy Eaton, editor of the Grace Point Journal and co-worker of Owen Burke. Adam Graydon-Reed as Raymond Connolly, a phone engineer, Tom Butler as the chief of detectives Terrence Morgan, Darcy Laurie as Hugo Garcia, a crime scene investigator, Karen Mott as Detective Angela Schulz, and as Danny Solano himself, Nicholas Filipovich. I hope I got that right. Okay, so... These episodes are very lengthy and very detailed, so try and follow along as we go over them. See if you can't solve the mystery before we get to episode 10. Episode 1. Detective Ellie Miller is upset when Emmett Carver is assigned as lead detective when she was on vacation. Carver's first case is a cut barbed wire fence. Meanwhile, 12-year-old Danny Solano goes missing and his body is found at the base of cliffs overlooking the local beach. Beth Solano sees her son's body on the beach and breaks down. Having known the Solanos for years, Ellie deals with her own personal struggles as well as the Solanos. A crime scene officer says the crime scene was altered to look like an accident and the pathologist said Danny was killed by blunt force trauma to the head. Carver and Ellie disclose the cause of Danny's death to the Solanos, and Mark identifies the body. Ellie's nephew and ambitious reporter, Owen Burke, extracts information from Ellie for a Twitter report causing tension with the police and upsetting the Solanos. Ellie takes the blame for Owen's action, and Carver is asked if he wishes to withdraw from the case, but he does not. Renee Clemens, reporter for the San Francisco Globe, arrives in town without her supervisor's permission to try and get an exclusive on the death. 
Beth visits the crime scene with Ellie, and Ellie expresses her grief to her husband, Joe. Ellie tells her son, Tom, about Danny's death, and then he secretly wipes his mobile phone and computer to remove evidence. Uh-oh. 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 Owen unwittingly provides Renee with a link to Chloe Solano, and CCTV footage shows Danny skateboarding down a street on the night of his murder. Ellie notes that Danny's phone and skateboard were not recovered at the crime scene and are indeed missing. At a press conference, Carver urges anyone to come forward if someone they know is behaving differently and remarks, We will catch whoever did this. Episode 2. After Ellie is given a list from the Solanos of those they think might have killed Danny, police discover cocaine in Chloe's bedroom and $500 under Danny's bed. Whoa! Whoa! It's like, I'm going to plan my own murder with blackjack and hookers. Ellie questions Chloe, who says she was holding it for her employer, Gemma Fisher, of the Crestview Inn. Gemma claims some guests were asking for the cocaine and Chloe provided it, but Jenna didn't know who gave it to Chloe. Ella promised to protect Gemma's reputation, causing an argument with Carver about protecting and trusting the townspeople. Carver is told by Jack Reinhold that he saw Danny talking and joking with a hiker on the cliffs ten days before his death. Beth feels stressed at home and goes to the supermarket only to break down after seeing Danny's favorite cereal. She confides to Paul Coates, her longtime friend and town priest, that she is pregnant. This prompts him to offer comfort to the community. At the police station, Ellie and Carver watch footage of the parking lot near the crime scene to see Mark waiting for someone. Bone engineer Raymond Connolly glimpses a file on Danny and tells them, that he was told by Danny from beyond the grave that he was killed near water or a boat. Chloe tells boyfriend Dean that the cocaine was found. She gets upset when he insinuates it will come back on him. She walks away and meets Renee, who gives her a phone number for future use. Carver visits Susan Wright, caretaker of a beach house near the crime scene, to get the keys to it, and it is revealed that she is keeping Danny's skateboard inside her mobile home. When Ellie and crime scene technicians find Danny's blood and shoe prints at the beach house, Carver questions Mark. He initially lies about his alibi, but then reveals being out with a friend that he refuses to name. And Ellie calls Carver to say Mark's fingerprints were found inside the beach house. Playing the hiker in this episode was Brendan Fletcher, who is known for the short-lived Nickelodeon horse drama, Caitlin's Way. What the hell is Caitlin's Way? It's like 15 with a horse. So it's 15 with a horse. You know, it would be very great if, like, freaking uh, Laura Harris went horseback riding in one scene. She did voice a character on a My Little Pony movie. Wait, Laura Harris voiced a character in a My Little Pony movie? She did. Oh, that's amazing. But not the good My Little Pony movies, the ones that aired in the 80s. Oh, when she was a kid. Yeah. Episode 3. Mark is questioned at the police station. Carver and Ellie ask about the blood on his fishing boat and his fingerprints at the summer house near the crime scene. He claims the blood is from Danny, who cut his foot on a lure during a family fishing trip. He also says he fixed the burst pipe at the house, but caretaker Susan denies he did so. Mark says he was out with his co-worker Vince on the night of the murder. Vince corroborates this, but his mother says he was with her, only leaving to make a pharmacy trip for her. Mark is arrested for obstructing the investigation. Raymond approaches Beth with a message from beyond the grave and tells her Danny was killed by someone close to the family in a boat. Tom Miller is questioned by Carver and reveals that Mark struck Danny. More about Carver's illness is revealed, and Beth considers Paul's proposal for a memorial service. Chloe texts Gemma for help, and Gemma tells the police that Mark was having sex with her the night Danny died. Mark is released, but when he refuses to tell Beth where he was the night Danny died, she all but accuses him of killing their son. 
Mark storms out to meet Gemma. Beth follows and discovers his infidelity. Oh my god, it's the slap all over again. Renee asks Carver about his past and reveals she wants to discover Danny's killer because of Carver's failure to do so in the previous case. Ellie refuses to ask Chloe who gave her the cocaine, so Carver calls to say Chloe must do so the next day. Forensics then gives him a scrap of paper with a phone number pulled from Danny's clothing. Carver types the number into a reverse telephone directory. And that leads us to... Episode 4. The phone number reveals a name, Lars Pearson, the backpacker that Reinhold saw talking to Danny. Pearson's photo is given to Mark in the hopes that someone in the family has seen him with Danny. Beth tells Ellie that Pearson once approached her at the visitor center, seeming cordial but acting odd after noticing a picture of her children. Chloe confesses that she got the cocaine from her boyfriend, Dean, shocker, adding that he is not a dealer, double shocker. Carver and Ellie question Dean, who claims the cocaine was a one-time thing. He also states he only saw Danny a few times when he visited Chloe. The detectives take Dean to his supplier, who, upon seeing him, then asks about the murdered kid. Danny was with Dean for the drug deal. Dean then states that he picked Danny up from walking outside of town, stopped for gas, and Danny stole a crossword puzzle book. The video footage of the theft, along with news that Chloe is dating an older boy that deals cocaine and the police not revealing anything about the case to the Solanos, deeply affects the family. Meanwhile, Carver gets a standing invitation to dinner at the Millers, Coates wards Connolly to stay away from Beth, Susan Wright and Vince are shown to have a history together. Tom looks up Pearson's location, and a boat is shown burning on the shoreline. Which leads us to episode five. Halfway through the show, folks. Ellie visits the Solano house in hopes of showing signs of normalcy, despite reminders of Danny not being there. Later, Carver has dinner with the Millers where Joe innocently admits to not liking him. It's David freaking Tennant. How can you not like him? Back in his hotel room, Carver suffers a heart attack and collapses. Gemma finds him after a complaint from a neighbor. He later asks her to keep his health a secret. Susan is shown to not be who she says she is, after a background check from her application at the hotel. Paul cautions the congregation to not look at the others with suspicion, as that will cause them to turn against each other. Which leads us to... Episode 6. Unlike the pilot and the rest of the series, this one's written by Jason Kim, just to let you know. Kathy, editor of the town newspaper informs Ellie of Susan's past. Owen and Renee's investigation into Jack Reinhold's past, from losing his wife and child to a stint in prison, to now mentoring Grace Point's children, turns the town against him. He unalives himself by walking into the ocean while holding a family portrait of his deceased wife and son. The townsfolk gather to retrace Danny's path on the night of his death. Which leads us to episode 7. Tom goes missing after separating from his father on the way to school. Ellie and Carver question Lars Pearson, the backpacker seen with Danny just weeks before his death. Carver's daughter arrives at the police station only to see that he is just as absorbed in his work here as he was back home. The Miller's marriage becomes tense as the search for Tom looks hopeless. Raymond Connolly gives Beth some clues about Tom, and she and Mark join in the search along with Paul, who finds Tom's bicycle. Which leads us to... Episode 8. Tom is found safe with some minor cuts from falling off of his bicycle. He tells his parents and Carver that he was looking for Pearson after seeing the name in Ellie's casebook and wanting to ask about Danny. After an interrogation with Pearson, 
Carver is told by Mark of Paul's obsession with Beth. His being cited at a Narcotics Anonymous meeting and his finding both Tom and his bicycle. Beth meets with the mother of Nina, the victim, in the Rosemont case. The mother is now addicted to alcohol, pills, and sleep. This deeply affects Beth, who later decides to keep her unborn child. Carver speaks with Paul, who feels the town needs him again in order to cope. He also suggests that Carver will become the next outcast because he arouses the town's suspicion every day that he doesn't find the killer. Susan gives Danny's skateboard to Tom, then goes to the newspaper office where Kathy informs her that her past is now known. She is arrested but will not talk until they find her dog, which Vince has stolen. Paul finds Tom trying to destroy his laptop after Tom learns its hard drive can be checked. Ellie and Carver investigate the beach house when it's reported that a flashlight has been seen inside. They chase the intruder, but must stop when Carver collapses again. Which leads us to episode 9. Carver refuses to be hospitalized and continues with the investigation, despite warnings it could cause his death. Morgan advises him he will be removed from the force in 24 hours and forces him to turn over his gun. Ellie links Susan to Danny's murder through cigarette butts at the crime scene. Susan claims she saw Danny's body on the beach during a late night walk and tells Ellie her life story. Renee learns of Carver's collapse, and Carver contacts Raymond in a desperate attempt to solve the case. Owen blackmails Carver into giving him an exclusive, or he will publicly reveal Carver's health problems. Beth seeks Paul's counsel about keeping their baby, and Mark spots her leaving Paul's residence. Ellie confronts Susan, who claims she saw Vince arrive in a boat and leave the body and skateboard on the beach. Vince is arrested and the dog is found. Yay, the dog is found. Susan reveals that Vince is her son, and she believes he's a child murderer like his father. Vince says he went hunting with Danny without the Solanos' permission. Carver learns Danny's phone was used to report the summer house break-in, while Paul tells Carver that Tom and Danny were not getting along and gives him the smashed laptop he recovered from Tom. Carver meets for an interview with Kathy and Owen and confesses that his ex-wife was responsible for the loss of evidence that led to the collapse of the previous murder case. Carver took the blame to protect their daughter. Susan requests to see Vince, who threatens her, and she leaves Grace Point later that night. Size 10 footprints, the size of Vince's feet, are found at the summer house. Carver asks Ellie about a fight between Tom and Danny, then requests access to Tom's computer. So it's beginning to look a lot like Vince is your killer. But anything can happen in the final episode, episode 10. Carver questions Tom with Joe present about his laptop and its contents. He records the interview on his mobile phone. He informs Tom of knowing about blackmailing and threatening Paul as to who hit Danny. Later, Carver is told that Danny's cell phone is active again. What? To protect Ellie, he has her further question Vince, who is still jailed. Carver follows the cell signal to the Miller's house to find Joe with the phone in the garage. Joe relates what happened to Danny. The two of them had been close friends for three months. They met at the beach house, where Joe ultimately made a sexual advance on Danny, who ran outside. Joe apologized, saying life can return to normal. Life can never return to normal after that, Joe! No! However, Danny was horrified and tried to flee. He fell, hitting his head on a rock, and died. So yeah, you think it was a murder? Turns out, it was just an unfortunate accident. However, using the boat, 
Joe placed his body on the beach. When told, Ellie is horrified and takes her sons to a motel. There she informs Tom of his father's arrest, but Tom's behavior seems odd. Ellie figures it out. Tom killed Danny. Dun, dun, dun. He tells her that he witnessed the events at the beach, but tried to protect Danny from Joe with an oar. However, he accidentally struck Danny in the head, killing him. Both Joe and Ellie protect Tom. With Joe's arrest, the town holds a beach campfire ceremony. Carver and Ellie view it from a distance. Then, feeling uneasy, she leaves. Carver contacts his daughter to make peace, then watches Tom's recorded video. He sees a shared look between father and son when Tom states that, I never saw anyone else hit Danny. Carver knows the Miller's secret. And at the motel, Ellie doesn't answer his call. Which you would think would lead to something else. However, that's it. That's the end of the show. So, we gotta ask the question, what happened? Well, reviews were mixed. Though high praise was given to both Anna Gunn and David Tennant, the consensus said that, while it may suffer in comparison to its British predecessor, Broadchurch, Grace Point brings an engrossing, sophisticated, and stylish crime drama to network television with Anna Gunn as a commanding lead. You know, this show would have done a whole lot better if the world did not know that Broad Church existed. Okay, I'm looking at the schedule, so do you want me to go over the schedule for this? Please, please do. Okay, so this aired 9 o'clock on Thursday night on Fox. Now, first, on the CW, Rain. I do not know what Rain is. Oh, it's a period drama involving Adelaide Kane as Mary Queen of Scots. Okay, Mary Queen of Scots. That's what all the kids want to see on the CW. A very sexed up Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. Now on NBC, we have two future entries. First, we have Bad Judge. Do you remember Bad Judge, Chico? It do now. That's with uh, Kate Walsh, and she plays, oh, get this, a bad judge. Another 13 Reasons Why cast member. And then at 9.30, you have A to Z. Remember that? Ben Feldman I... and Kristen Mowati playing a couple. Yeah, I was like, I remember it as the show with the mother, Kristen Milioti, and somebody else. Well, this was Ben Feldman's last thing he did before Superstore. It was like in between his stint on Mad Men and before Superstore, so. Okay. And then on ABC, we have Scandal, which, yeah, you'd think normally that would do it. Shonda Land. Shonda Rhimes did Scandal. But this also combined with Scandal is the Killer. On CBS, Thursday Night Football. There it is. That's the killer right there. Because remember, this was in that period where CBS was simulcasting Thursday Night Football with NFL Network. If I'm not mistaken, they did it for half the season and then Fox did it for the other half of the season. No, the way it worked was the first two years, 2014-2015 CBS simulcasted it the whole season. And then 2016 and 2017, CBS had half the season with NFL Network. Then NBC had half the season. Then in 2018, Fox took it over. Oh, I get you. But yeah, I'm looking at the ratings for each episode. Uh, the first episode logged in a total of 4.76 million viewers. Not bad. But then... It dropped almost a full million for episode two. 
3.8 million. And it just held steady in the mid 3 million range until the final episode where it went back up to 4 million. So after ratings topped off from the premiere, it stayed in that middle 3 million range until the finale. It never got more than 5 million watching. And if I'm not mistaken, never really exploded on demand either. Fox ultimately saw it as too expensive a production with not enough return on investment. And billing it as a limited series from the start, Fox decided to cut its losses and move on to the next thing. Which for Chris Chibnall would be season 2 of Broadchurch and ultimately Doctor Who where he would turn to an old friend to take up the mantle of the Doctor when Jodie Whittaker was brought on as number 13. You know, before Russell T. Davies decided, you know what, I'm going to Grover Cleveland the Doctor order. Because we all know. The rules of the Doctor's regenerations are whatever we need them to be at the time? Or whatever the writers, like, think of at, like, that moment. Yeah. Like, none of it makes any sense anymore. Let's be honest. Yeah, remember, he was only supposed to have 13 lives. And that's it. But then, the folks from the home office beamed him a new set of lives. Anyway, if you want to watch Grace Point from the beginning, all 10 episodes are available to watch right now for free on Pluto TV. Prime Video, Freebie, and your favorite, Greg, Tubi. Because as we all know, and as I say many times in this podcast, Tubi will air any old crap. You know what? Don't cry for anybody involved with this show. Michael Pena's in the MCU. And he's in that Amazon Prime movie about that astronaut. Anna Gunn, she's got work as well, if I'm not mistaken, She's going to appear in Most Dangerous Game and Physical. Not to mention, she was in Deadwood the Movie and 10 episodes of Shades of Blue. What is Shades of Blue? It's another gritty crime procedural. And of course, David Tennant would be in almost everything on my streaming queue. DuckTales, Asuka, Good Omens. Good Omens with... Yeah, I forgot about Good Omens with Michael Sheen. Yeah. It's like, I know season three is about to happen. I just need to know when. And Nick Nolte will always be Nick Nolte. But yeah, Jack Irvin, the little kid, he was your killer. But Fox wanted this to be the next gritty drama, the next buzzy drama, but there isn't room on network television for a gritty buzzy drama. No, if this was on cable, it'd be another thing. Yeah. I mean, you look at Mad Men, Breaking Bad, uh, things on AMC, like Silicon Valley, Kevin can himself. Wait, AMC? No, Silicon Valley was on AMC. Oh, wait, no, on... Silicon Valley was on HBO. I'm I'm thinking of, uh, what, what's that, what's that show with uh, the Apple execs? I have no idea what you're talking about. If anyone wants to tell us what that show is, email it was a thing on TV at gmail.com. But, yeah, there is no room on a broadcast schedule for a gritty, realistic serial such as this. And it's a shame, because it was actually a really good show. I mean, I watched all of it on Pluto, and it was just a really well-produced show. But unfortunately, because it was on Fox, and they wouldn't know what to do with anything that wasn't American Idol, Grace Point just became a thing on TV. A very expensive not as lucrative as anybody had hoped thing on TV. Shame, really. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. 
But remember, you can always go to our website at itwasathingontv.com where you can follow the clues to the 422 episodes that preceded this one. We've got all sorts of bonuses, minisodes, live shows, extended plays, the whole works. And don't forget, we are also on all social media at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was A Thing On TV Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, YouTube. We are also on YouTube. You can like and subscribe to our channel. And when you do, don't forget to hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our future uploads, including what's coming up as we continue Doctor Who 60th Anniversary Month here on It Was a Thing on TV with oh we're going back to where it literally all began well the setting where it all began literally yep cole hill secondary school if i'm not mistaken that's right yep the source of a couple of teachers and an unearthly child but what happens when you have an unearthly child and an unearthly teacher and earthly classmates I guess we'll find out as we join the class next time right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Row! I'm so sorry. I've seen this before. Sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm sorry, Billy. I am very, very sorry. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I really am. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry. I swear, I'm so sorry, but you've got to try. I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. Oh, Dave, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Miss Hartigan. But look at what you've become. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry with all of my heart.